everyone. Welcome to this new podcast, Luxury Insight, in partnership with FashionNetwork.com. Today, we're very glad to welcome Lutzuel, who's a fashion designer and head of the eponymous label Lutzuel, previously senior designer at Maison Margiela, and a consultant for a lot of other amazing fashion labels. Lutz will share with us his ideas and visions about being an independent designer in Paris. So have fun and a great podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Godfrey Dini at our, with our latest um, Luxury Insight and Fashion Network podcast. And I'm very happy to say we have one of the uh, great designers of Paris joining us today, Lutz Hull. Hi, I'm, hi, Godfrey. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Lutz um, is a master of what some people call assemblage uh, fashion, the blending of ideas and fabrics in unexpected ways, which has been uh, a pretty gigantic trend in the industry in the last few years. And he's an important independent designer who um, cut his teeth at the most famous conceptual house of the mall, Martin Margiela, before creating his own brand here in the Marais. But let's begin at the beginning. You were born in Cologne. Yes. When did you first get the idea of being a designer? Well, to be honest with you, I was never actually interested in fashion that much from the beginning. What I was always interested in is was popular culture. I was a, a music fanatic. I, I, um, I spent my afternoons at home listening to the radio, listening to music. Um, I, I, I love cinema. So it was always about popular culture in general and kind of fashion became just one aspect because, because I was so into, into um, British pop music um, and the way you know, people were dressing and, and I mean stars were dressing. Um, and then this whole idea of, of pop culture, subculture, Um, so I came to fashion um, via like a general interest in, in, in pop, really. I mean, in popular culture, really. Did you, what did you study initially? I did, um, I mean, I studied fashion at St. Martin's, um, but I kind of spent, um, before I started uh, studying, I kind of spent two years in, um, in Hamburg um, doing not much else but going out all the time. So I, that was, I mean, if you want to call that studying, that's what I studied initially. After your what, gymnasium? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I just did. I mean, I mean, at the time we had to do um, social service in Germany because we had to go to the army still. But then I, I went to... Which is what officially did in Hamburg. Well, I, I mean, I did that in, in Cologne. And then, I, yeah. and then I kind of um, needed to get away from everything and I moved to Hamburg. And, and then I just worked in a store during the day, um, just selling clothes, really, you know. And then I went out all night and I did that for two years. And then after two years, I kind of got a little bit panicky thinking if I don't change something, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Because it's also really nice uh, to go out all the time and, 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 you know, stay out all night. So I thought I need to get away from Hamburg because also it's very easy to go out all the time if you have friends that do the same thing. So I kind of, I needed to make a break. So I, I moved to, I decided to move to London. And I applied at at, at St. Martin's, so that's that's how you that applied. happened. Yeah, oh, I, and, and did you? Can you sketch? Well, I, I wasn't. I, I couldn't sketch very well at the time, to be to be very honest. But I, um, I mean, I did a foundation course at, at St. Martin's where you do everything. You, you know, you you do. They accepted you first for that. Yes, they did. I mean, foundation course where you do everything. Like you you do you do a week of photography, you do a week of sculpture, um, of of painting, of everything. Which is how long amazing. did it last? It's amazing. It lasts one year. One. But why do you think they accepted you in the first place? Oh God, to be honest, I think I just, they just, they saw, I, I, I absolutely wanted to, to, to go. I think it was, maybe they saw the, the passion. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I wasn't a born illustrator, you know, I, but I was, I was very passionate about, about 
their creative work in general. And I was so interested in everything. And maybe that's what they saw. I, I, I couldn't tell you right now why they took me, but they did. They did take me for that year foundation. And then during foundation, you, you do all these different projects and, and then you kind of, you, you, you know, you go into a, a direction. And once that year was over, it was clear for me that I wanted to, to go and do fashion at St. Martin. So, so that's how, how it happened. I, didn't, I then had another interview and then... And then you did a master's, a two-year master's. Well, I did, no, I did, I did a um, um, bachelor for three years. And during that bachelor, I, I, um, we have to do um, 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 placements, like, you know, um, um, stage. And I did, I did one in Margiela in my first year at college. And, and then they asked me to come back the, sec- the next season, and I did another one. And then they asked me whether I want to come and work in Paris. And um, I, mean, I, I took a week of, of thinking about it, but... I wanted to finish college first, yeah. you know, and then say, okay, I, I said to them, you know, if, if you still want me when college is finished, then I'll be happy to come, but I, I, I can't leave. Also, I didn't, I, I wanted to stay in London because it was such an amazing place at the time. And I really felt so happy there. So I didn't... Where did you live in London? I lived first in Brixton. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a long time. And then, and then weirdly enough, I had a friend who came to work in London who, who needed a, a place to stay. So, so um, um, I moved close to Baker Street, Gloucester oh, Place. And yeah. I ended up, with, which the, the, the weirdest thing was... I ended up in a center point house, you know, that, that <laughs> big building right behind it, which is basically, I mean, at the time it was just, it was just drug dealers or whatever, so that was funny. But it was literally two minutes from college, so I, I, could, I could fall out of bed in the morning and roll into college in five minutes. And that was well, sorry, what year are you talking about here? It, I started the BA in 1992 and I, I graduated in 1995. So then eventually you did start working for Margiela. Yes, I did. I mean, as soon as college was finished, I, I called them and I said, you know, I'm, I'm available now if you still want and me. And you joined. Yes. What was it like to work for Martin Margiela himself? You know what? He was he was a very lovely person, really. He, I mean, he, he was very passionate. Um, he, he was super friendly. He was very open. I loved the work. Um, I loved his work. So it was very easy for me to also... To also go there. The atmosphere was amazing because it was a very small place. I mean, there was there was one other person working on the collection, and then it was me, and there was no one else. So it was For men's and women's. Women. Well, men, men's didn't exist at the time yet. We only did women's. At the yeah, time. I mean, it was just women's, and and there was the artisanal, you know, the, all the stuff that we did in the atelier, the, yeah. the remakes, and. And I was responsible for, for that part and the knitwear. And there was this other girl called Nina who was responsible for the fabric part. And that's it. So it's literally just Nina, Martin and me and the studio, which is, I mean, it's just a very small company. And it was really, really lovely. So it was great. And the studio, how many had like proper people making up the, the collection? Were they in the studio or no? Well, I mean, in, I mean, no. The, cause, cause the everything atelier was, he had. He had a well, I mean, there was an atelier um, for, for the artisanal part, but the collection was done in Italy at the time. It was, I mean, they had a license deal with the factory, so we had to go to the factories and work there. But the actual studio was just three people. Did, um, he was famous for using unexpected fabrics, uh, you know, Jute and yes. refinery. He yes. sort of upcycled before anyone knew what the term. Yes. But how much did he influence you? You know what? The, I, I mean, the reason why I, want, I did a placement that I wanted to go there was because it was so close to what I understood. You know, I mean, he was dressing the same people that I knew. So it was very easy for me to, to understand it. I mean, these people, you know, I, I didn't really know that many people at the time who were dressing in, in Montana, for example, or in Mugler. Yeah. But I, I knew loads of people who, who, who were dressing in, in Margiela. And the thing is that um, until I came across Margiela, I, I always thought I didn't have a place in fashion in a way because I didn't, you know, it, those, the, like, those, those extremely glamorous clothes, in a way, in a way at the time, um, they, they didn't correspond to 
me. You know, I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't know anybody who, who dressed like that unless it was like evening or whatever. But what I was interested in is, was always how people dress in any kind of situation, you know, during the day. How do, how do people dress? You know, what makes dress in general? So Martin was one of the few. I mean, there were other people at the time. There was Zuli Bet and Veronique Leroy and all. There was a whole gang of like Jean Colonna. But Martin was really like, he was, it was so easy for me. It was so close to me. So I think we just had the same taste, you know? And they must have seen that in me because otherwise they wouldn't have asked me to come and work. Huh? Mm. So, um, of course. Um, so that's how that happened. And how long did you stay there? I stayed for three years. And then? Well, I, I kind of, I kind of um, stopped a little abruptly um, <laughs> um, because, to be honest with you, I mean, there was always an amazing atmosphere, but then because suddenly the company became bigger and, and there were more people working there and it, it wasn't the same anymore. And I thought, you know what, I, I had such an amazing time. Maybe it's just time to do something else, you know? So I, I left. I didn't know what to do. I, 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 um, I called St. Martin's, my, my, my tutor at St. Martin's, Willie Walters. And I said to her, you know what, I've just left my job. I don't have any money. Um, is there anything I can do? So she, she made me come over to London to teach. Also, I'd been missing London so much, so that was amazing to go back to London, you know, and, and teach. So I did that for a while. And, and then I started trying to, to find freelance work, really, you know, just, just to try and, and, and earn money again, or just to, to not to be able to pay my rent. And I, I did that. Uh, I found a place in Italy where I was, I was working um, as a freelance designer for, for a collection. For whom? Oh, it was called Les Copains at the time. I don't know. Even. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that was um, um, one thing. And that paid the bills. Yeah, it did, it did. And then, and then I was doing that for, let's say, a year. And then uh, my friend David, who at the time was working at Rochas, he kind of said, you know what, I'm maybe maybe I'd like to do something else. Because he he'd been there for a long time also. So we kind of started thinking, you know what, why don't we just try out something? Um, and that's what we did. I started doing a collection on, on the side, in a way, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to put these things together and we'll, we'll show them to people and see what happens. And, and, that's, and that's what we did. We, and where did you do that? Where did you show your first...? It was in the studio of, of a friend of ours called Fabrice Hibert, who's, who's, a, who's an artist here in, in, in Paris. He had a studio in Rue de la Coduc, which at the time was opposite in the 10th, uh, um, behind the Gare du Nord. Rue de... La Coduc. Okay. Which is which is opposite, really, the, the um, our first office where we we had started. We had taken this. It wasn't that office. It was just a little little space in a, in a courtyard um, where we had like we had taken it to, just to make this official. Like there was this company. So yeah, we, I mean, we did we organized the first show with literally no means at all, and and you know we just thought let's see what happens. And um, and what was the name of that collection? The brand name. Lutz. Lutz already. Yes. yes, 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 yes. And that was, and that was in February 2000. Wow. Um, um, and it was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? It was, it was um, I mean, it, it was so positive. To be honest with you, I didn't expect it. I had no idea in the end, huh? because also you get so uh, uh, into this thing where you just do a collection. Yeah. And then I had no idea whether it was any good or not. Um, and then the, the reactions were so positive. We had, like, suddenly we had, we had buyers in, in front of that little office space, this, this studio space that we had in, in, in Rue de la Coduc. I mean, at, at, at one point, um, Maria Luisa yeah. took an appointment and came and I arrived. She was standing in front of the door. I arrived and I was so shocked to see her there. <laughs> that I, had, I had to turn around and leave. She did the appointment. She bought the collection. Um, so um, and we, we kind of managed to, to, to sell to, to a few really nice shops. And then we took it from there. And you stayed there a while or no? When did you move from the Marais? Well, we, we first we moved to uh, Rue du... No, hold on. Rue de Rivoli, and we stayed there for three years. Yeah. That was, it was funny because that was the, the 
office space underneath the studio of David Guetta, uh, uh, who used to make a lot of noise, and who used to drive me mad. Um, um, and then we moved to, to the Marais. And then we moved to the space where we are now, where we've been now. Where are you now? You're on Rue de... Um, Rue du Temple. Rue du Temple, of course. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, um, from the beginning you got a very good press report. The media liked you. No. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, people, people were nice, uh, I have to say. I mean, um, um, let's say we didn't, we'd never exploded, you know, like you, ex uh. like you explode today, kind of. But, uh. but people started saying nice things about us. Yeah. Yeah. And you developed a kind of following. Yes, so, yeah. yes, yes. In a time when magazines were important, there were many of them, and they, yes. they began to cover you. Yes. Well, I mean, we we were we were mostly in all the independent press, which was amazing. Yeah. I mean, for example, we we were in in Purple loads of times, which was really amazing because it was my favorite magazine at the time as well. So that was incredible. We weren't so much in the mainstream press in the beginning. Uh, it was more like in, independent, alternative. Um, I think people didn't know what to make of me in the beginning. You know, because I think I think I think one thing that happened was that when you know when you come from Margiela, people expected everything to be a little gothicy, you know, like kind of dark, um, um, lots of black. And and I mean, I, I love color, and and I was really interested in to, interested in sportswear, um, and, and kind of in kind of the ease um, that sportswear has. So so that first collection really was it was colorful, um, and it was it was kind of sporty, um, uh, slightly strange. I have to say. I mean, looking back at it now, mm -hmm. I kind of um, I think it wasn't what people expected, and because people thought I was. Belgium, Belgium, because like I was working at Magiela. I mean, even now people still think sometimes that I, I'm, I, I'm from Antwerp or from Brussels. Um, so um, they, they expected something that they didn't get in a way. So maybe that was a kind of a, a, a complicated in the beginning. But um, in a way, it would have been horrible to, to, to kind of just go on um, in, in Martin's vein, you know? I mean, yeah. I, mean I literally, I, I really spent a year thinking about what I was going to do because I, so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to go into that, into that um, direction, which was going, which it would have been also so easy just, you know, to just do, to do the same thing. Um, so I really had to find out also if there was anything I, I thought I had to say, you know, so. Um, What's the DNA of Lutz, the brand? You know, like, like I said, it, for me, it's, it's always been about The everyday, the, the street, the, the kind of the, the way people dress themselves, the, 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 the basics of a wardrobe, kind of everyday pieces made in a way that they, they look familiar, but also new at the same time. I always love it when, when you look at something and you know what it is, but it, it looks like something you've never seen before. I mean, this, this, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. It, it, it doesn't always work. Um, but for me, it's so interesting when you have something that you can wear actually super easily, but that's still really, really special. Who are the designers you admire? Well, I mean, I mean there's, there's, there's several, obviously. Um, yeah. um, I think the, the biggest thing right in the beginning that I loved most was, was Pierre Cardin. Um, yeah. I was just... Because there's something about that, that um, you know, the... the graphicness of these silhouettes, the color, that, like, the, the clarity of, of, of these designs for me was really amazing. And it had, also, it had such style without being forced. Like it's really simple, huh? It, it, it's, uh -huh. not, it's nothing complicated. It's just very simple, classic shapes, easy shapes, but they are so special. So I've always loved it. And then obviously uh, Rei Kawakubo is, is a huge, um, um, I mean, influence, inspiration, just because she's such an incredible woman. And such, just because... She was the first, in a way, for me. I mean, apparently there was this person called France André V, which I, I never knew, but, but people were talking about. But she was, for me, the first that 
saw women in a different way than just in, in a very um, um, conventional, sexy kind of way. You know, she had this thing of seeing women differently, obviously also because, because it's a different culture. But I mean, it was just incredible to see these clothes that didn't... Seeing women as what? In your well, just you know, just just a much more open interpretation of what yeah, femininity yeah. is. Yeah. You know, so I mean, one thing is one thing is to 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 you know to show your body and wear tight things and be super feminine, huh. and another thing is to just to just wear really big things and and have the fabric work with the body. You know, have so it, it's less obvious. It was just something that's like like um, um, she had a completely different image or vision of, of, of femininity. And it well, was just so Some of that came into your work, that idea, not without copying her. Yes, absolutely, that. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It, it's, it's a huge um, inspiration because for me, it, it meant such freedom to say, you know what, we can dress in different ways. And it, there's not just one way to look properly dressed or to look respectable or whatever, you know? Well, one thing I noticed about your corrections is they have... Often, like in one garment, like four or five things going on. You know, they're um, <laughs> well. I try to avoid a that. <laughs> bit of you know reference to kind of you know active sportswear, Nike, Adidas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. these Puma, these sort of things. Just you know, yeah, <laughs> with a tailoring structure and then something ceremonial almost. You yeah, know, as yeah. if you're going to an event, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. then uh, a sense that they look. You know, faintly lived in. They're not kind of super. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this other um, sense of I don't know, three, no, not three dimensional. Obviously, three dimensional, but like that kind of Escher thing that you know, you're they're a bit. You don't quite understand what what the what you've done that's made it different, but it's there. Yeah, but see, I love I love that you say that because that's <laughs> that's in a way is that's is um, the aim, you know, to design things that, that anybody could wear super easily. Because like you say, they, they, they're a little bit lived in, because, but that's what clothes are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always found it so sexy when, when somebody wears something that's a little bit lived in, you know, something that kind of is cli- mm-hmm. slightly crumpled, that's slightly open. I'd never find it interesting if, if people who are dressed properly and perfectly are not interesting to me because, because it just means that they followed a protocol, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. For me, the most touching is when people kind of put together stuff and, and look themselves you know so so yeah that idea of mixing up things i mean it wasn't just an an, an exercise an exercise in style it it was it was saying you know why shouldn't i have a tuxedo pant that is just as easy to wear as as a jogging adidas pant you know it's literally i mean it's literally the idea is that simple you know, why should I not feel as comfortable working in front of a computer as I feel sitting at home in a sofa watching watching television. You know, yeah. it's, it's always this, this idea of of um, whatever rules there are, how how can I make them work for me and in that case for other people? You then now today you have an, um, your own business in uh, you still own it all. And where do you manufacture? Where where do you get it made? Do you have a license? Do you have well, the most no. I mean, we most of the stuff is is most of the clothes are made oh. in, in in Hungary. Yeah. Oh, still. Yeah, yeah. I've been for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're made in Hungary. And then and then we have several atelier studios where we do smaller smaller productions like little numbers. And then we have a little atelier at, at, here in Paris where we just do, you know, if it's just two or three or four pieces. And also, um, for example, all the bomber jackets that we do with Alpha Industries, they are done in, in our atelier because these are done one by one. So they have to be they have to be done by, by us. You um I forget exactly when a couple of years ago you did um 
uh, work for Del Pozzo. How, tell us about that experience. Well, that was, um, I mean, it was just a, a, a very, a very um, unfortunate line of events, really, you know, because because they took me on, they took me on just, just um, well, be, before, well, it was two years ago. Um, and it was literally just, just let's say, before the, the whole COVID crisis happened. Yeah, yeah. But it was also that when, when I arrived there, they, you know, they had kind of halved the, the staff numbers, um, like like they they had been having financial difficulties. So yeah. so the idea was to relaunch, not relaunch, but to just make it more real. You know, just they they because I, what happened was they they showed me the collection. They said to me, you know, you know what do you think? And and um, and the collection was beautiful. But I said, you know, it's absolutely amazing. But it's like a dream. I I, I can't see that many people actually wearing this outside of of red carpet and really extreme situations. So um, they yeah. said, well, that's exactly the case. So so they took me on. I I kind of started working on the first collection while I was working on the first collection they decided that they were going to sell the company or then you know and then and, and then um, they did that and then just shortly after COVID happened so you know it was just this thing and um, let's say it took it kind of a year of, of they, they still it's still not decided what is going to happen to, to the company but I felt at one point that I needed to move on you know as sad as that was because I loved honestly the people were amazing the, the staff that, oh. that stayed yeah, the studio was was incredible they like, were in Madrid was in it? Madrid yeah the craftsmanship is really amazing so I, I had an amazing six months working with, with these wonderful people and then it all it all kind of stopped you know so um, and I felt like after a year I thought I, I need to move on. But you've done other co- collaborations you've enjoyed. Well, I've always I've always worked freelance yeah. for for other companies. Yes, which I, I mean I love doing that, Godfrey, because it it gives me the possibility to see my work from outside. You know, because because when I am in the studio in Paris all the time, I kind of I get so close to my own work. And sometimes it gets it gets difficult to judge, you know. But because I go and work for other companies, it's so much easier for me. Because then, what I do for other companies is service. But then, once I, I get back to my own collection, I can see exactly, you know, what what kind of. It's easier for me to do several things than to just do one thing. So I've always done that. Uh, if you Google the name uh, Lutz Huel, uh. one of the thing that always comes up is. He has been photographed several times by Wolfgang Tillmans. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, Wolfgang and me went went to school together in, in Germany. We like we we grew up in together in a way. I mean, Wolfgang Alex and that girl that's always in the photos as well, and we were kind of best of friends in in, 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 in school. And when I say well, yes, I mean when I say Cologne, you know, it it we it's kind of slightly outside Cologne, so it was a very small place, really. You know, in, in a, a kind of very conservative place. So we kind of be- became really friendly and close because we felt that we didn't belong in a way, you know. So so we kind of became, became really good friends, and and this this is how these these photos happened. We just I mean he's still my best. They, those two are still my best friends today. Like we're oh. still we're still the closest the, the, the closest people and my, like my longest and best friends. Do you still go clubbing in in, in Barkheim in uh, in Berlin? Well, I, um, yes, I yes I do. I mean I do it less now because I have less time. And to be honest with you, you know I need a little bit more sleep now than I used to. So uh, sadly enough. <laughs> but there you go. Um, but but yes, yes, because it's always been such inspiration. Also, you know, it's part of it's part of life to go out. Do you ever regret not having stayed in London and a major career in Paris? You know, that is a, a, a question that is. It's funny because for the longest time, I missed London terribly. Uh, I spent literally t- twenty years. Um, you know, wanting to go back to London, thinking, I, you know, I, I missed my friends there. I missed the atmosphere in London. And to be honest with you, for the first time ever, now 
I kind of don't miss it anymore. And, 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 and maybe it's a general thing. I don't recognize London anymore at the moment. I don't, it's not the same place I used to know. And maybe, maybe that's just um, um, nostalgia, you know? Maybe it's just, it's just you know, you, you have become, you, you, I'm living another life now, so, so I wouldn't have the same life that I had when I was a student in London anyway. Huh? Mm-hmm. But there's something about London that I find, it, it's, I just find it such a, a hard place at the moment. And I say this with regret because I love it so much. And to be honest with you, I have yet to meet one single English person that wasn't super friendly and nice to me. Mm-hmm. So, so all my experiences in London have been amazing, you know. But this is an atmosphere in London now that I find is, is really harsh. Do you think Brexit played a role? I, I suppose maybe it has. I, I, I don't even know, um, Godfrey. If it's just a general thing, if uh-huh. my, London has just become a really hard place to be. What's the best thing about Paris? from the point of view of being a designer? Everybody comes to Paris. So every, like literally every buyer comes to Paris. Um, yeah. uh, all the shows are here. It's, it, I would say it's the one place where literally everybody goes. No one skips Paris. Yeah. So, so it, it's still the center yeah. of the fashion universe, I would say. Yeah? And also, you know what's the amazing thing about Paris is that it's, it's such a mixture of Europe um, because it's, it's, it's slap in the center of everything. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to go from, from Paris to Germany, from Paris to Belgium, from Paris to London, from, mm. you know? And I am such a European. Yeah. You know, when, I mean, I, you know, I was born in Germany. I, I, I studied in England. I live in Paris. I, I always go to Italy to work. So for me, that is so natural to, to be all these things. You know, mm-hmm. I would hate to, to restrict myself. And in that case, Paris just feels like a good place to be. Because Paris is such an open place to the world. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's right in the center of everything. What are the changes that have you've most uh, seen ch- affect your work in terms of technology or the internet or inclusivity or sustainability in the last years that you've... There's, there's several things. One thing I have to say is that maybe because of, of, of social media, people have become so much more open to things. You know, when I, I remember, it, it was, I mean, when, when you spoke about, about I said in an interview um, 15 years ago that, that um, you know, because I've always used menswear in my work. So, so I said in an interview, you know, but I, I, don't, I don't feel that women and men are so far away from each other. I think they're much closer than we always make, yeah. out, <laughs> make them out to be, you know? So I think, I think masculinity and femininity are fleeting things and they're, they're, they're fluid things. So, you know, that's why I, I like to put men's things, like put everything together. And at the time that was, it was seen as, a, as, an, as something that, you know, you can't say that, that's not true. Um, whereas now, um, I mean, you know, that <laughs> has completely changed. And I think, I think it's also social media that made these things possible because, because instead of just, just five very important people deciding what people should see or not, yeah. now... It's the people themselves who decide what they want to see. So it's it's become a completely different ball game. And it also, from a personal point of view, from from my my work point of view, I have become so much more visible, because through Instagram and Facebook, people see my work, and people who maybe didn't see it before because I wasn't so visible, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they started seeing it. So it, it it gave me a completely new audience, and it gave me um, in in many ways an, another lease of life. It's also surely encouraged boutiques and, bra- and internationally to t- 
take people like you on and retail you, no? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Because, because you know, because people actually send messages on Instagram saying, you know, do you have this jacket by this designer? So uh, we get we get shops now calling and saying, you know, but we, we get so many people asking for your work. Um, so we, we think we should maybe, you know, which is which is never the case before. Uh, um, um, uh, before they used to see it in other stores uh, uh, or they used to talk. Now it's everything goes via social media. It's also dangerous because it gives gives certain companies a huge amount of power Mm. and I'm not sure whether that's a good thing because obviously they will use that power so I don't know how how democratic this is going to stay, how long this is going to stay open and democratic, we'll see. Do you, um, how many stores do you, how many clients have you got internationally now? Around 50. So it's a good business, self-sustaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be honest with you... Yes, yes. I mean, to be honest with you, we, we couldn't take more because I wouldn't be able to, to you know, it would be, mean too much money uh, up front. Um, yeah. Also because I don't really work with the bank. So so we just, we, we you know, we, we're self-sustained. But to be, to be honest with you also, Godfrey, we have been... Um, um, in, in talks with people because we are we are looking for a, for a partner. Oh, yeah. um, um, to, who would you know, take to, a stake to yes. invest? And well, just a yeah, a, a, a license deal or something, just to make to make this also because we can see that the, the demand is there, but but we can't go any further because I don't want to take that risk. You know, I can't. Uh, so, so it, also it is, to maybe stage bigger shows, but you have fairly good shows now. Yeah, well, <laughs> three or four hundred people. No, yeah. but yeah. they're often, your shows are often in. A little obscure places, you know. Oh yeah, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I mean, the last few ones have been a little bit bigger because people have been coming more, you know, mm-hmm. because we have been more visible. So, so we have become a little bit bigger. But we have to be careful. I mean, financially, because I can't. I, I really do not want to go over what I can allow myself to spend, you know. Do you think you've become quite influential? I think so. <laughs> well, I take that as a compliment. I, I would I would love if that's the case, but I don't think I can I can answer that question, Godfrey. I mean, I would love to. You know, it's funny because sometimes I see I see things that that we have been doing, and then it makes me really happy. I mean, sometimes <laughs> people send things to me and say, "Look what they you know they copied you," and you know what? I just take that as a compliment. If anybody. Like I mean, it's it's one thing. It's it's nice to be to to influence. It's this is something positive for me, and it also means that I I've just seen something that was in the air anyway. You know, so I don't take that as a I don't take it badly. But it, people do send things to me sometimes. Say, you, did you see? Did you see? I don't, honestly, I don't care. I don't care. It's 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 a compliment more than anything. Do you think people copy you? Which brands? I, I honestly, I don't. You would. I, 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 I don't want to answer that question, and I don't, honestly, I don't want to name any brands. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And, and you know what? Copying people. You know, people. People. It's that that whole idea of copying is is so old anyway. No, no. People just take things anyway. I mean, I mean, with internet and with social media, people uh, just uh, take stuff. As Carl Lagerfeld used to always say to me, Godfrey, we all shop. This is about. You know, we often reach quite a young audience who, you know, want to get into the uh, fashion business. Yeah. What's your two or three bits of advice you would give someone starting out who was, you know, up, up thinking of going to fashion college or in fashion college, yeah, yeah, yeah. what they should do in their career? Well, I think it, it is it is much easier nowadays to actually start because because um, um, you're, you're visible straight away. And I think if if you know if you if you have something to say and if you do something that that kind of that's interesting or that that 
is, is special or unique in any way, then you will have an audience very quickly, which is amazing. What I would say maybe is it's not so difficult to kind of start and just, and just do it. What's much more difficult, and this is also from experience, is that once you've, you've passed that first wave of being the next new thing, the next big thing or whatever, and then, and then to sustain the momentum or the collection after, let's say, the first five, six years. This is where the real um, test lies. And this is, I mean, I would, I would say to anybody, just, you know, make sure, make sure that, that your work stays personal because as long as it's personal, as long as it's, it's yours, you'll have enough possibilities to just, to just go on. And then if fashion turns and, and you're less in fashion, that's not a problem because you'll always have your clients, you'll always have the people who like you, which is exactly what happened to us. You know, I mean, when, when I fell out of favor after, after a few years, um, I still, we still had clients and we still, we still had shops that liked us. So we kind of, we managed to get through it because because um, um, we, I just did what I liked, you know. I thought, you know what, it, I might not be, but um, as long as I kind of try and stay relevant and 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 try and do what I what I like, then that should be fine. And it was. So I, I basically, I would just say, you know, just just believe in in yourself, really. I mean, it sounds stupid um, um, and banal, but but that's the, the only thing you can do is that. I'm going to end with a couple of questions I always ask everyone. Uh, where were the last three places you went on holiday? <laughs> Oh it's often very revealing. Um, the last three places I went, God, that's well, last years you, you, well, you're last talking about. Year, well, before well, I mean, the COVID, last, I suppose. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the last places were Quiberon in Brittany. Oh, yes, of course. Eight fish. <laughs> yes, yes. The year before Colanta in Thailand. Ah. And the year before Costa Rica. Oh, for seaside. Costa Rica was amazing. It was literally the most amazing place. You know, I once asked Ray Kawakuba when I had dinner with her, and she said she, she went on a tour of Orthodox churches in the Carpathian Mountains of Romania. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And when I asked Lucia Prada, <laughs> she said, uh, uh, Patrizio, Bertelli, her husband and I, took a car and we drove around Argentina. We did two and a half thousand miles in two weeks. That sounds amazing. Which sounds, I have, both sound pretty good holidays. And that, in that case, I have to say, I, I went to Costa Rica and I did a tour of the local hotel bar and it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Lutzel. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. To me as well. <laughs>